what we do every single year, we dive into seven days of prayer and fasting. We do spiritual renewal, and we usually talk about creating new rhythms in our life. Um, because here's, here's what I do know. That whole saying, a new year, new year, new year, new you, it's absolutely a joke. <laughs> it's just a complete joke. Because the truth is, it's the same you, it's just a different year, right? But we all go into this different year with new intentions. And so we've been talking about how do we take these new intentions and we turn them into actions. Because how many of you don't want to be the same person you were last year? If you don't want to be the same person that you were last year, then you have to change something that you do every single day. That's why we've titled this series Habits, because we're talking about how do we build healthy rhythms in our life. If you were with us last week, Ryan actually talked about focusing on what you do first really matters. I read a study this past week by a bunch of psychologists, and they say how you spend the first five minutes of your day affects your entire day. How you spend the first five minutes of your day, this is what most of us look like in the first five minutes. We wake up, uh, and we grab this, right? We grab this, we dive into social media, we dive into Facebook, we dive into the news, and before you know it, your, your day is full of anxiety, it's full of depression, you're angry. I just open the news app, and I get frustrated. <laughs> I get really frustrated. And so what I've had to learn is that the first five minutes of my day really matter. But today what I want to talk about and the habit that we want to build into is living our life on purpose. Because here's what I know. Most people are frustrated in their life because they're not living the life that they want to live. They're living the life that everybody else wants them to live. And they don't know what their purpose is. They're searching for it. They're looking for it. They jump from job to job to job, from relationship to relationship to relationship, from person to person to person. And it's because we're trying to figure out why we're here. There is not a more frustrated person on this planet that does not know why they're here. What is my purpose, God? How many of you ever asked the question like, God, what am I doing down here? <laughs> like, what is my whole purpose, my whole design, my whole intent on this little pale dot that we call earth? What am I doing here? I was at a chiropractor recently. Um, when I was on vacation, I woke up one morning and I, I went to go move my shoulder, and I literally could not move my left arm above my head. And I was like, what is going on? I'm 32 years old. This cannot be happening. And my wife is like, you better not be falling apart now. I told you you need to eat better. You need to, I'm like, stop. <laughs> and uh, come to find out, I went to, I was like, you know, how all men are. We're like, oh, it's going to be fine. I'm trying to convince, I was like, I slept on it wrong, okay? I'm in tip-top shape, you know. I slept on it wrong. It's fine. And two weeks later, it's still bothering me can't lift it up. And I'm like, okay, that's not normal. I, I need to go figure this out. So um, I went to a doctor and come to find out, he said, man, you tore your rotator cuff. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So if you see me like with a gimp arm, that's, that's what's going on right now. But uh, I, he said, one of the things that might help is uh, go to a chiropractor and get some of your other, your body aligned. Because when I got to the chiropractor, I said, listen, I've got some pain in my shoulder, but for some reason, man, it's been hurting my back. It's been hurting my neck. I feel like my neck, is, my neck is so stiff and all this kind of stuff. And he says, here's what we call, as chiropractors, we call it referred pain. He said, when you have pain in one area of your body, it actually can manifest in other areas of your body as well. So that the issue might be in the shoulder, but you feel it everywhere else. And the truth is, when he said that, I said, man, that is what happens to most of us that are not living out our purpose. When you don't know what your purpose is, you have pain in all these different areas of your life, and you're trying to figure out where it's coming from, but the reason that you're so frustrated and the reason that you're watching seven hours of Netflix is because you don't know what your purpose is. Because you're trying to figure out why am I here? You're frustrated, you're anxious, you're depressed. I don't know if you know this, but every single 
year, the, the percentage goes up by at least 5%, which is staggering. At least 5% of the population is more depressed than they were last year. Why is that? Because we have referred pain all over the place. We have things that are diving into our soul, into our life, that are pulling pieces away from us, and we're living frustrated lives because we don't know why we're here. There's nothing more important on this planet than discovering why God designed you and why he put you here. Because here's the truth. When you figure out why you're here, what your purpose is, what God's designed you to be, and listen, I'm not talking about your job, okay? I'm talking about like, why did God put you here on this earth? Because if you don't figure it out, here's what I do know. If you don't start living intentionally in your own life, other people will plan your life for you, won't they? Like other things will get in the way. Here's what Psalm says in 139 verse 16. It says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Meaning this, before you were ever born, God had a purpose for you. Before you ever even breathe, and some, I know what some of you are thinking, you're like, you don't understand, Zach. I've already added chapters to that book. I've pulled pieces out. Like, I've screwed some things up. I don't know if I still have a purpose. But it says, before you were ever born, before you ever even had an opportunity to make a mess of your life, like God had a design for you. God had a purpose for you. He had something that you could live out, that you could be pleased with here on this earth, and ultimately, in turn, add to his glory and to be able to serve him. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to what? Do what? Good works, which God prepared. I love this again. You're going to see this all throughout the theme of this message in advance for us. So God had a plan for your life before you got a divorce. God had a plan for your life before you had an opportunity to mess some relationships up. God had a plan for your life before you were at your lowest. And listen, just because you came to this place and you arrived at this place in your life and you said, I never thought that I could be here, it doesn't mean God nulls and voids his purpose. Oh, you've gone too far. God still has a purpose for you. This is why this morning, here's what I want to talk about. We need to live by design and not by default. We've got to learn to live by design and not by default. Now, why is this? We've got to do this because there is competition for your time and your attention every single day, isn't there? Something is always trying to grab your attention. One of the main things is you literally walk around with an absolute, like a computer in your pocket every single day. How many of you know like this thing will grab your attention? You know one of the most staggering things that you can do is if you have an iPhone, I don't know what Androids do, and if you have an Android, there's a special place. I'm not going to, just saying. Um, but if you have an iPhone, you can check. It'll tell you, hey, you spent this many hours on your screen today. It freaked me out. I remember one day I got a little notification. You spent four hours on your, I was like, what? Oh my goodness. Like there are so many things vying for your time every single day. Your phone, Netflix, who, there's, and here's the crazy thing about all the things grabbing for your time. It's things that don't add any value or purpose to your life. It's usually just mechanisms that help you numb out what's going on in your life, right? We want to stay so busy because the moment that we stop is the moment that we have a head-on collision with the reality of our heart and we don't like it, so we busy ourselves more and more, right? So if we don't live by design, other things are going to fulfill your time, they're going to take your time, and they're going to tell you how to live. I don't know if you know this, but credit card companies have a timeline for you. (laughs) They have a purpose for your life, right? Oh, no, no, it's fine. You just make the minimum payment. Oh, you want more credit? Absolutely. 
They'll schedule your time for you. If you're not careful, people, things, stuff will take your time. If you let someone else define your life, they will. (laughs) If you let someone else define your life, they will. Why is that? Because we're just creatures of habit that continually believe that we're never satisfied. How many of you ever gotten like a new car and like for a moment you're like, dude, this is amazing and it feels good and then like two weeks later it wears off? Because we live in this world that more is better, right? Like one dollar is good, but two is better. (laughs) One car is good, but two is better. One wife is good, but don't do that. (laughs) Right? We, We live in this world that we're never satisfied with what we have. Apple knows how to play into this genius. Oh, you just got the new phone. Hey, we just released a new one. (laughs) Right? We live in this world that is never pleased with what we have. And here's the truth. An overwhelmed schedule will often produce an underwhelmed soul. If you are adding so many things onto your plate, I can guarantee you that your soul is not in a healthy place. Ecclesiastes 4.6 puts it this way. It says, better is one handful with tranquility, or translated as peace, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What, what is he saying there? Here's what he's saying. It's better to have peace in your home than to have all the stuff that you think that you need to be happy. It, it, it's better to have less things, less debt, less worry in your life because you feel like you've got to keep up and measure up to other people, Right? But let's just be honest. The reason that we buy stuff is not really for us anyway, is it? It's so that we can look good and appear good in front of other people. Right? Now, why is it important that we discover why we're here? Why is it important that we discover our purpose? The, the first thing is because time is short. Time is very short. I don't know this. I don't know when you're going to die. I don't know what the end of your life looks like. But I do know one thing. You're one step closer to it. <laughs> like, time is... Control is an illusion. I was on this flight this week on my way back from Oklahoma, back to to Lafayette, and I'm sitting next to this 36-year-old woman. She has a two-year-old, and we're we're taking off, and as the plane is taking off, it hits a little bit of turbulence, and it drops just a little bit, and she goes, ah! I was like, God, why did I have to, why? And the whole time, every time we would hit turbulence, she would scream. Like there was one time I'm like taking a nap, and she's like, ah! freaking out. And so I, I, it probably wasn't the best thing to tell her at the time, but I said, hey, I don't know if you know this. We're going to be safe. Chances are you'll probably die in a car wreck before you die in an airplane. And she's like, yeah, but I, I like to feel like I'm in control. How many you know control is an illusion? Here's the crazy thing. You know the only thing that you're in control of in this life is your time? It's the only thing. The only thing that you can control is your time. You, you think you're in control when you're driving, Right? But you don't, you're not in control of anybody else around you, so you, you have no idea what's going to happen. We think we're in control of our health and our body. And then all of a sudden, something happens to us that was unexpected. How many of you have ever just had a wrench in the schedule, something unexpected throw you off balance? Like, whoa, God, this wasn't in the cards. This wasn't in the plan. Like, I thought we were supposed to be together forever. Or, whoa, I, I wasn't expecting this health scare. Or, I wasn't expecting to lose my mother or my father or my son. Like, this was not in the cards. So the only thing that you can control is our time. And the truth is, most of us are so bad at managing time, aren't we? Before you know it, we've spent two days on the couch and haven't bathed, and we've been watching Netflix with our eyeballs, like, burning, you know? I haven't slept in two days, but I got through Breaking Bad, right? 
Here's what James 4.13 verse 15 says. Now listen you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Watch what James says. He says, why do you not even know? He said, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live to do this and to do that. Here's what's crazy. You can have all your plans mapped out and then things can change in an instant. I tell this to people all the time because it happened to my life and the more that I pass or I see it happening, your life is one phone call away from changing. I'll never forget the day eight years ago I was working in Baton Rouge and my mom calls me and she says, hey, they just found out your dad has cancer. It's like, whoa, you're not ready for that news, are you? You're one phone call away from everything shifting and changing in your life and if you're not planning out what your day looks like to pursue the Lord, I'm telling you, you're in trouble. Because the truth is, if you have not postured your heart to be able to receive some news that could throw you off balance, you're not going to be a good, in a good place. See, I'll never change my life until I change something that I do every day. I'll never change my life until I change something that I do every day. So it, it could literally start with, like, if, if you're a teenager, you know what you could do to be better disciplined? Just wake up in the morning and make your bed. <laughs> Every mom's like, yes, please. <laughs> the truth is, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you keep getting. You have to change something that you do every single day. So how do we come to this place where we learn to master the habit of living out our purpose? Number one, you've got to decide what is important. A lot of us are defined by what is urgent and not by what is important. How many of you ever just, you got so many things on the plate, and so the way that you kind of divvy up your time is the thing that needs the most attention. <laughs> like if I don't put oil in my car, I'm not going to be able to drive it tomorrow, right? You're constantly managing chaos. If you have kids, you know what this looks like, right? This one threw up over here, so let me clean it. This one did this. This one, it's managing chaos. And the truth is, if you're not careful with your time, It'll slip away from you, and before you know it, you're like this robot that's just running from place to place to place. Have you ever reminded yourself of your priority, of why God's put you here? What is that? What is your purpose? Philippians 3 puts it this way, but what, what, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. This is Paul talking. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So what is he saying here? Whatever I used to think was really important is not that important. You know, my wife and I, when we had kids, my wife and I are both kind of like neat freaks. We like to have our house clean. And I shared the story in the, in, the, in the first service. I drove myself mad for a few years having kids because kids don't care about a clean house, do they? Like, we've banned certain foods in our house, you know, because we try to tell, like, you sit at the table and eat. And I uh, woke up yesterday, and my, my three-year-old is walking around with a donut just chomping everywhere, like pieces everywhere. And I drove myself mad for the first three years, constantly feeling like i got to constantly pick up. Everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be clean to the detriment of spending time with my kids. So I had to get to this place of going, you know what, a clean house, is it important? yes. Is it more important than a relationship with my children? No. It's not. So I had to look at what is important in my life. Can we pick up the house and we get it as clean as we can? 
but I love my kids and I want them to remember that they had a dad that was attentive and was not more worried about what stuff looked like or if the couch was straight or not, right? So you have to decide what is important. And the only way that you'll ever know, the only way that you'll ever truly discover your purpose is by you going all in. This whole thing called Christianity, it doesn't work if you just dive in a little bit. It doesn't work if you just give a little piece here. Well, I'll kind of work up the confidence to get to that place. No, God says go all in so you can experience it all. The second thing is you've got to give calendar time to the important things. You don't have a value if it doesn't show up in your calendar. You just don't. You can say that you value something all day, but if you don't do it, you don't value it. So here's what this looks like for me. If I were to give you my phone right now, you would literally see in my phone, take Claire on a date. <laughs> I have in my phone right now, when I, I, I bring my kids to school, when I, when I bring Eli to school, talk to him about this. I'm concerned about this issue in his life. I have to, I have to put that on the calendar because here's the truth. If I don't put it in there, I'm just, I'm naturally scattered all over the place. I can run a thousand miles an hour and do a thousand things, but the truth is, if I don't schedule it, I'm not gonna do it. And I want my kids, I want my wife to remember that I valued certain things. And just because I say, oh, I do value you, son. I value our time together, our babe. I value going on a date, but we never do it. If I don't schedule it, it will never happen. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should That's Psalms 90, verse 12. You're going to see this theme all throughout the scriptures where the authors are constantly reminding us the days are not as long as you think they are. The years are not as long as you think they are. Things happen quickly, and the only thing that you can control is your time. Now, this is not a bulletproof scenario, okay? This is not like, I'm not trying to give you some formulaic thing where if I just implement these five steps, my life is going to change. I hate that stuff. But I am telling you, if you put some principles in your life and you start changing some of the things that you're doing every single day, you'll see your life change. These are five things that I've done in my own life personally that has absolutely changed my life. I'll give you them. These are what I do, okay? I'm not telling you that these are the things that you have to do and your life will change. But I think that it should look something like this. Number one, spend time in prayer every day. Spend time in prayer every day. Number two, study God's word. And listen, it doesn't mean, you get like, I've got to learn the Greek. I've got to learn the Hebrew. Let me put a, you know, a commentary right by me. And I've got to read every author on this passage. Some of us need to just need to open it up and read it, <laughs> right? Spend time in prayer. Read the word. And here's another one. This is the third one. Start to really love those closest to you. Learn to love the people closest to you. It's really hard to love people well, isn't it? Because to love people well requires a sense of vulnerability from you that's just uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> to lean into people's pain. Number four, learn to make a difference in somebody's life. I'll tell you what my purpose is, what I feel like my purpose in life is. I feel like my purpose is to add value to other people. And I could do that in a variety of ways. It just so happens that I'm doing that in pastoring a local church. Number five, this is one, I'll just be honest, we're terrible at take care of yourself. (laughs) Can I tell you that a few years ago, this was not me. Especially when we started the church, I almost burned out within the first year of starting this church. Ran so hard, 
got to get this thing built. We got to get people here. We got to build systems. We got to do all this stuff. And man, I ran so hard the first year, I ended up in an emergency room. This is not a joke. I felt like my stomach was on. The doctor, he looked at me, he said, Zach, you're stressed out. You got stomach ulcers. He said, you're going to kill yourself if you stay at this pace. You're going to kill yourself. I walked away from there going, okay, this is not healthy. This is surely not what God wants for me and my family, right? So, so what did I have to do? I literally had to take the principle of the scriptures that they teach, like Sabbath, take a day off, recoup my soul. And for me, that's not, taking a day off is not sitting in front of Netflix for seven hours. I don't know about you. If I watch TV for seven hours, I'll wake up and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm exhausted, <laughs> Right? So what I had to do things that would revive my soul again, like get out, go on a walk, listen to some music, drink some good coffee, be alone. You need to create some healthy rhythm in your soul that helps you. This moves me to the next one. If you want to give calendar time to the important things, the first thing that you've got to learn to do is you've got to make time for renewal. Make time to refresh yourself. And that's going to look different for everybody. You've got to refresh yourself because the truth is most of us are doing too much. Most of us are doing too much. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say this, and this, this might be offensive, but I, I love you enough to say it. I find that most churches are not really fighting the enemy. <laughs> they're fighting Facebook. They're fighting Instagram. They're fighting Little League. Can I tell you, your, your, your kid's probably not gonna make it to the NBA. <laughs> He's probably not. I tell my kids, look, I love you, but you get one sport, that's it. We're not playing year-round. And I'll tell you why. And yet again, this is my own personal conviction. It may be different for you. But here's the truth. Here's what I've had to learn. I want to get to the end of my life, and when my kids finally make a decision, and they finally have to make a tough decision like I had to make, who am I gonna, what woman am I going to spend the rest of my life with? And how did I pursue God when it's difficult? I want to know that I spent enough time with my kids teaching them to love the Lord, to make wise decisions, and that my life wasn't spent on a ball field. I'm just being honest with you. Because if I can get to that place, then here's what I know, that I've taught them something. And I'm, listen, if that's you, and that's awesome for your family, and you're still able to be a good husband and a good father, listen, go for it. That's awesome. I can't do it. Because I want, at the end of the day, I want my children to be able to serve and love and know the Lord. And with the schedule that my wife and I have, there's no way that I could do it like that. We've got to make time for renewal. And here's the problem. If you don't make time for renewal, you're going to burn. <laughs> you're going to burn out. But let me remind you of something. I was reminded of this this week as I was preparing for this. How many, just show of hand, just raise your hand if you believe this. How many of you believe that God sent his one and only son to die for us? How many of you believe that he came in the form of a virgin? How many of you believe that he resurrected and rose from the dead? Can we just pause there? You believe some crazy stuff. Do you understand that? Do you understand how significant that is? Well, you go to other parts of the world, I mean, you go to New York City and you tell people you believe that, they're going to look at you crazy. You believe some insane stuff, so why can't you believe that God will heal your marriage? You already believe some pretty crazy stuff. Why can't you believe that God's going to give you a breakthrough in your finances? Why, why can't you believe that God can perform that miracle that you've been asking him for? I'll tell you why you can't believe it. You can't believe it because you're burnt out. 
it's hard for you to believe it because you've been numb for a long time. You haven't spent time to refresh your soul and to allow God to speak to you again. Listen, you can't live on the crumbs of yesterday forever. You just can't. I, had to, I, come, I came to this. It's, it's the weirdest thing that I ever went through in my life. My dad was a pastor most of my life. I got out of the church. I remember for the longest time, I, I told the Lord, I said, I will never go into ministry. Never. I was absolutely certain that when, I, that when I got out of the church, and my dad didn't create anything negative for us. It was just where I was at in my journey. But I was like, you know what? I got to this place. I was in my first year of Bible college. I was like, I don't even know if I believe in God. And here's what, I had to go through this weird transition in my life. And here's what I realized. I had to get rid of what everything that I thought I believed about church, about Christianity, about Jesus. Because here's what I learned. What I believed was what my parents believed. And I didn't have any definition for myself. I never had a relationship with Jesus for myself. I just watched everybody else and I imitated it, right? So at like 23 years old, I had to completely rediscover who Jesus was. I went through this really weird season. But I finally came out of it going, okay, that's what I needed. I needed all that stuff to be flushed out of my system. I needed renewal. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 puts it this way. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, watch this, we are wasting away. Anybody ever feel like that? I can't go anymore. Watch what he says. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. The second thing is you've got to make time for relationships. Good, healthy relationships that add value to your life. Pastor Jacob says it like this all the time, and I find it to be so true. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Listen to me. If you look at your friends and go, I don't want to be like that, get some new friends. (laughs) Because the truth is, you just become who you hang out with. I'll prove it to you. Some of you didn't have a Cajun accent before you started hanging out with some people, and all of a sudden, my son came home the other day. My son goes to the, my kids go to Esterwood Elementary, country school, okay? He came home, and (laughs) he, the other day, and he's like, yeah, dad, yesterday. I said, no, 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 time out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yesterday. <laughs> You've been hanging around with those country boys too long, son. <laughs> How many have ever done, like, the stupidest things in your life because you were with a bunch of stupid people? I, I'm, this is not an exaggeration. My wife, would t- I've almost died twice because I was hanging around stupid people. Let's jump off this bridge. All right. <laughs> Make time for healthy relationships that add value into you. Everybody needs somebody in their life that is not intimidated by you and can say, hey, man, I'm concerned for you. Man, you you got a quick fuse. You get angry easily. Or, hey, man, I was watching you the other day and the way that you responded and talked to your wife, you think that's okay? We all need those people. People that love us enough, they're not impressed by us, that love us so much, they're willing to offend us. And at first, listen, it's, it's going to hurt. Who in the world do you think you are calling me out? But we all need it. We all need it. This is why every single year, and I'll talk a little bit about this at the end of the service, but every single semester we do life groups. 
kicking off next Sunday. All of our new groups will be open again. There'll be a bunch of tables out in the lobby. You can sign up for a group right then and there. Also, if you missed the, that, that service, all of our groups will be at occonnect.com on our website. You can go to one, find where it's at, all that kind of stuff. So I encourage you to dive into one of those things. You've also got to learn to make time for reward. It's kind of like if you work out a lot and you're eating really healthy and you don't have a cheat meal, you're going to be miserable, right? <laughs> it's like the, the, that, that cheat meal is kind of worked in there to give you like a little bit of fuel to keep going, right? Oh, those french fries are so good. I'm going to wait till next week to have some more. You, you need that in your relationship with Jesus. We build healthy rhythms into our life and then we get with friends and we go have a night of fun. I'm not saying we act stupid and act crazy, but we have a night of fun. One of the reasons that I was so disassociated from church for so long is because it was like, it was like they were fun suckers, man. <laughs> Constantly. Oh, you did that last week? Oh, okay. It's like it was, I was in a room of a bunch of people that thought they had everything figured out in life, right? And you couldn't fail in front of anybody. The truth is that, man, that's so far from the truth. That is the opposite of what the gospel preaches. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 14, says it this way. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Now, I actually believe we read this verse wrong a lot of times, meaning that there's nothing new. We can never create or invent anything new. I actually don't think that's what it means. Because when Solomon wrote this, there was no such thing as technology, right? We, we, we created something new. Here's what I think it means. Anything outside of God's purpose and plan for your life is meaningless. Like, if, if you're just going and buying things to make you feel satisfied, or going on another vacation because you need a break, like, how many of you know that after a while, you ever been on a vacation and you need a vacation from the vacation? You ever convinced yourself, you're like, man, I'm tired, I just need to sleep. And then you sleep all day and you wake up the next day and you're still exhausted. Why is this? The truth is, you can have all the things that you think that you need to make you happy. If God's not in it, it's never going to be satisfactory. So this leads me to point number three. Eliminate the non-essentials in your life. There are things in our life that don't belong in our life. How many of you know, as human beings, we're really good at just filling up time and space with nothing? How many, I'll prove it to you. How many of you, if you're bold enough, you can raise your, how many of you have clothes in your closet that still have the tag on it and you've never worn them? <laughs> you're like, ooh, I need that. <laughs> and then you put it in your closet, you're like, I'm never gonna wear that. <laughs> It's weird. If you'll notice this, I challenge you to do this. And I've done it with myself. When you find yourself at a very low moment and you feel like you've had a bad day, I bet you if you're not careful and you're not aware of it, you're going to find yourself in a store buying something. You probably buy things that you don't need when you've had a crappy day. Right? I'm just going to go buy stuff because it makes me feel better. Right? Now why do we do this? We do this because we don't even know that there's something inside of us that is missing. But here's what's crazy. If we start eliminating the non-essentials in our life, meaning some of you need to make a to-do list of what your day looks like, and then you need to make a to-don't list 
I can't do these things anymore because it's robbing my soul. Hebrews 12.1 puts it this way. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. So what, is, what are the scriptures saying to us? It's saying, listen, there's things in our life that you can do without. So for me, I realized uh, about a month ago, I'm like, I am on my phone too much. If you've been at this church long enough, you've heard me talk about this a lot. And I've tried every app like, that will limit times. And I'll just be honest with you. As soon as like, the little time restriction comes on, it's like, okay, you have five minutes left on your phone, and then we're going to show. I'm like, no. <laughs> Disarm. So the other day, I was so frustrated because I'm an extremist-type personality. So it got me in a lot of trouble when I was younger. It's like, if they're like, no, let's go do it. I'm like, let's go all out. So when I get into something, like, I get into something. And so, like, man, none of these apps have worked. I've tried all different kinds of things. Now, iPhone has these restrictions that you can set, and you can limit yourself to certain apps at certain times. So the other day, I was so frustrated. I was like, man, i got to figure out something that works. So I set all these limits on my phone, and I entered into this code, just a random code. I don't even know what it is, and then I just clicked it off. I'm like, what have I just done? <laughs> I don't know how to disarm it now. But for me, I'm not telling you that, you that you take that plan of action. For me, I realized because I'm such an extremist and have this extreme personality, like I had to do something like that. Because if you want to make habits in your life, if you want to reverse some of the damage that you've done in your life, you've got to change things that you do every single day. So for me, it was like, I'm on my phone too much. How do I make this work? So for you, it may look different. Maybe it's waking up in the morning and you're devoting the first five minutes to just go, okay, I'm not, I'm not diving on a screen. I'm gonna pray. I'm just, maybe for some of us, literally, it's just being present. It's just being here in that moment. A lot of us have a hard time with that. One of the most tragic things you can do is go to a restaurant today and you see two people on a date night and they're both on their phones. I can't tell you how many times I just want to slap them. Like, look at her. (laughs) She's right there. Look at her. You know why we do that? Because we don't even know how to do that anymore. So for some of us, it may just be cutting things out so that we can be present here in the moment. You know what I learned on this vacation that we took? We took a few pictures, but not many. I told my wife, I said, I want to remember the memories more than I want to remember the pictures. We're so, okay, no, stand up, no, don't move, don't move. Okay, let me get this moment perfect so everybody can know how awesome of a vacation I'm having, right? Waterfall, child, you know? What would it look like if we were just present in the moment? See, we can be present when we're confident of our design and our purpose, what God's called us to. The last thing that we've got to do, number four, is we've got to regularly take inventory of our life regularly take inventory so this is what this means you're asking yourself the question where is my life out of alignment and i'll tell you the best way that you can do this this is the principle of the sabbath you carve out a day every single week maybe you're not at a place where you can take a whole day yet but maybe a few hours you don't take any device with you no music no audio no book nothing you silence Sitting in a car. Like, I challenge you, just sit in a car and don't turn anything on. Some of you would drive way better. (laughs) 
do that, and I'll tell you why we avoid that, because here's what happens. The second that we sit in silence, here's what you learn to do again. You learn to think. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa! All those thoughts come, keep coming on, you're like, ah! <laughs> Facebook. Turn on the radio. We don't want to think them. But if you sit in silence long enough, you can figure out where your life is out of alignment. And you allow God to just speak to you. I think sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know what to pray. Sometimes the best way that you can pray is just shut up and let God talk to you. Just sit there. We don't need to say anything. It says that he already knows our thoughts. <laughs> he already knows what we're thinking. He already knows what we need before we even ask him. So we sit there in silence. And it's, I'll be honest with you, it's scary. It can be very scary. I think this is why our world has trended the way that it has. Because we're afraid to think about where we're really at. So we've built an entire culture to numb that. This is why opioids are on the rise. This is why technology is on the rise. Listen, I'm, I'm for those things. Not the opioids. <laughs> but I, I just want to caution you as I close. The scriptures teach us that we are to engage in culture. So we dive into it. Now the tragedy in the church world is we've tried to create our own subculture. It's like, oh, we don't want to engage in the world because we're holier than those people. And I tell you, if you do that, you look really stupid. <laughs> I know that's harsh. But if you do that, it looks like you got your nose sticked up at everybody else and you figured the world out and you don't have any issues problem with that is, is you've created your own subculture and it looks very self-righteous. Can I tell you something? Unchurched people don't want any part of that. Zero. This is why here we try to create this open culture. Look, we're flawed. We've got issues too. So what do we do? We, we dive into culture. We engage culture. We reach people in culture. But we don't succumb to it. We don't numb like they do. We go, no, you know what? We did a series, some of you might remember it, this is about six months ago, a series called Feel Your Pain. So, so it, it literally means like when you sit in silence, and you sit in quiet, and you don't numb, you're going to feel some pain. <laughs> you're going to think about some decision, but here's the truth. Feel it for a little bit. Allow it to come on you. And think about those things. And then you begin to think about how God can meet you in the middle of that. Because here's what happens. You start thinking again and going, man, I can't believe I made that decision. God, help me. Would you lean into my pain, into my discomfort? And then here's what happens. Instead of numbing it, you start inviting God into your situation. And he starts working. And he starts moving. And you're like, how did this happen? It's because you sat for a moment. You allowed yourself to feel all these things. And then you cried out to him. I think we just kind of sit back sometimes and we wonder why God's not working. I think God's calling us to engage. I, I was with a bunch of pastors this week and uh, one of the things that one of the guys preached in one of their sermons really stuck out to me. He said, what can the world do with the man who knows his purpose? Think about that for a moment. What can the world do with a man who knows his purpose? Nothing. That's why we have the story of Job, right? 
Job's like, listen, you can take everything away from me. I'm not going to curse God. Now, does that mean that there were times where I'm sure he wanted? Absolutely. That's why the Psalms are so important. God, where are you? I feel like you've left me. You're gone. And then the next Psalm is like, God, I love you. You're so good to me. And then you turn to the next, God, I, I can't, I hate this moment. It doesn't mean that there's not times of lamenting and crying out to the Lord. Man, but if you know your purpose, there's nothing this world can do to you. Because you know why you're here. If you're living frustrated in the context of Christianity right now, it's probably because you don't know your purpose. It's not because you had a bad church experience. Because here's the truth. Here's what I do know. Churches are flawed and they will offend you and they will hurt you, but Jesus never will. And we got to remember, we don't serve a church, we serve Jesus. And so we can move on in life and we can give people the benefit of the doubt because we know that they're flawed because Jesus has a purpose and a design for us. So we continue to operate in that. So I just want to encourage you to do one thing when you leave here today. Take a moment this week, sit in that silence, figure out, God, why am I here? And that doesn't mean your job. What I mean is, I don't know, it's like, what is my purpose here on this earth? I feel, I told you earlier, I feel like my purpose is to add value to other people's lives. I can do that in the context of many other jobs. But I, I do know this. We will stand accountable for the Lord one day and he will say, what did you do with the one and only life that I gave you? What did you do with it? And I want to be able to look at him one day and say, God, I just, I wrung myself out for you. Did I get it perfect all the time? Absolutely not. Did I blow it? Absolutely. Did I make mistakes? Absolutely. But I tried my best to live and steward the gifts that you gave me so that I could live my life to the fullest. 